Okay, so we're live. Hello and welcome to Axlander, a podcast about and for all of you who have left their home to find a new one abroad. Today, uh, I'm talking to Anya, who is joining us then from Poznań in Poland. Hi, Anya, how are you doing? Hello, Eva. It's great to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, thanks for being here. And um, thanks for uh, agreeing to share your story because you've got a very interesting one. And you're also going to share a few tips because today's topic is the expat repat. So we're going to be talking about everything um, concerning repatriation. So moving back to your home country after spending a few years abroad. And um, yeah, so if you're thinking of repatriation or you are actually in that situation that you've moved back to your country and you're probably experiencing this slight, very mild, also maybe also very big culture shock, then this episode is for you. So wherever and whenever you're listening to Xlander, have a listen and enjoy. Good. So Anya, what's your story? Okay, um, well, I, I first came to um, Switzerland in 2017. And I spent two years in Switzerland, just over two years in Switzerland. And then I came back um, to Poland. And I like to call myself or I liked to call myself an expat with an expiry date because when I came to Switzerland I knew when exactly I was going to leave and okay. um, the um, the reason I actually came to Switzerland was to do with initially to do with an international organization which is called Equals which is an organization which promotes quality in language education and I'd been doing um, a lot of work for this organization throughout the world I've done uh, quite a lot of consultancy for equals in Europe, in the Middle East, in, in Africa. And um, I think it was about 2014, I was asked to do some uh, consultancy work for a language school in Basel um, through this organization, through equals. So that was my first, I think it was my first time in Basel. And um, I was doing this consultancy with another colleague, but I was the lead consultant or, or the lead auditor. And I didn't actually have a lot of time to 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 see the the city, but what I did see, I really really liked. And then um, I was asked again um, about a year later to do some more consultancy uh, for for the same organisation, focusing on some other aspect of the functioning of of the school. And then I spent, I think it must have been 2015, and I spent, um, I think it was three days um, working with the school management. And then after that consultancy, which uh, we both thought, so the, the school um, the school management and, and I, we both thought that that was a very successful consultancy and we stayed in touch. And um, we, we kind of talked about, you know, what this, school needed and what was the right thing for the school to do and the direction to move into etc etc and at one point we both kind of came to the conclusion that um, what the school needed was perhaps um, some more extended support so not somebody coming in whether it's me or, or anybody else but not somebody coming in for two days or three days or even a week but somebody who would be there and kind of supervising the 
changes and leading the changes that the school wanted and needed to make uh, for an extent, extended period of time. And, uh, you know, when when this idea came up, we started talking about whether it would be possible for me to actually come to to Basel to do to do that. And I'd agreed to 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 do that. Um, I was actually really, really excited to to do that kind of project because um, this is the kind of change management is something that I'm really interested in. And I'd done a couple um, other projects like this um, in, in other parts of the world. And I felt very comfortable with this kind of work and I felt very confident that I could actually help the school. Um, the one thing which was kind of difficult about this whole situation was that for all sorts of reasons my husband could not come with me to Switzerland so we kind mm. of ended up you know being in a long distance relationship again because we actually started off as a long distance relationship so we were in this situation again which which was difficult but I mean you know um, we've got the internet so we st stayed in daily contact I was uh, back in Poland on a regular basis my husband would come to visit on a regular basis which helped but obviously it's not the same as you know being together in one house so, so that was, that was the young years right yeah exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay uh, the it was it was a little bit like the, you know the beginnings of, of our love which was kind of sweet in a way you know but it wasn't easy it wasn't easy but mm. but I really wanted to do this project and Andre my husband he was he was really really supportive and he knew how important it was for me um, on a professional level and um, so he supported me all the way through Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, nice introduction. Um, so it was two years then in Switzerland yeah. uh, on a permanent contract yeah. with an expiry yeah. date. And as you said, expi yeah. with an expiry date, I, I like it. Yeah. I've just noted it down. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's actually quite true. So what did the whole process look like? Uh, you obviously didn't have to go through things like what some other listeners and some, some other guests, for example, said, okay, work permit. Uh, residency, um, thinking about where to live, renting an apartment and so on. So this was, I would guess, it was all done for you or no, actually, was no. it not laid down there for go, you? No, okay. no, 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 I actually had to go through the whole thing, through the whole um, thing. as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, so um, the, the only thing probably that was different to a lot of other people who come to Switzerland mm. was that I had a job. You know, I knew I had a job uh, before I actually started living in Switzerland. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was that was it. Um, the other thing that was really extremely helpful was that um, the person who'd invited me to to come to Switzerland, um, so my my boss, um, he actually got involved in the flat search himself. Um, okay. So he he helped me a lot, and I think without his help, I would have had a huge problem finding a flat, because. You know, looking for a flat in Switzerland is a completely different experience for um, to looking for a flat in other places. Certainly, a completely different experience from looking for a flat in in Poland, where I come from. Because um, he was kind enough to actually get involved, that one that was a lot easier um, and a lot faster. Um, so I'm eternally grateful to him for for actually getting involved and helping out. Uh, but yes, I had to I had to apply for the work permit um, and get it, um, which was a little bit stressful in a sense that um, I knew I was going to get the work permit, but there were some delays at the time, and that obviously impacts when you can actually sign the contract with your uh, for your health insurance. So it was a bit of a 
um, it was a bit of a stressful situation, but in the end, everything um, went well. So, so that was okay. But yeah, I had to go through all that, you know, so yeah, I had a job, but everything else, it was like for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first, I mean, and you obviously are well-traveled, so I don't think it was your first time in Switzerland. Uh, when no, you, no. Yeah, right. So, but it's a bit of a different experience, right? If you stay yeah. in a country for two years, and Absolutely. live there actually your everyday life and you just travel and visit so what was the first impression and Basel is also um, a bit specific right because it's an expat it hub. is yeah it is yeah it is but that's what makes Basel so interesting I mean as, as I told you earlier I I literally fell in love with Basel the first time I actually um, got to know the city so much so that when I came to live in Switzerland I actually decided to um, join uh, the group of free walking tour guides so I actually became a free walking tour guide in Basel so, and I was I was nice. um, guiding yeah I was guiding tours in the center the historical center of Basel, and in Klein Basel, which was um, hugely interesting. I think um, one of the first things that really struck me was, you know, before I came to Switzerland, I kind of assumed that I would use English to communicate with people, and yes, I did speak German when I came to Switzerland, but my German was not as good as my as my English. Um, and I felt uh, much more comfortable speaking English than speaking German. So I kind of assumed that I would be able to use English. And that was completely not um, the case. Um, I mean, everything that, anything official that had to be done, I had to do it in German. Um, it was really difficult to get people to speak English. Sometimes um, I knew that people would understand when I speak to them in English, but they would respond in German. And I actually, you know, when I saw that people had a problem if they didn't want to speak English, for example, but I knew that they would understand what I was saying in English, um, then I would say, I'm going to say what I've got to say in English, but please feel free to respond in German because I understand German. I just don't feel very confident about speaking German, you know. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, that meant that that the learning curve in terms of my German was pretty steep. I mean, I learned a lot in the first few months because I just didn't have a choice. I had to. I was lucky enough in the sense that I did understand a lot German. And obviously it had to be Hochdeutsch. I, I still have a bit of a problem with Swiss German, you know, but everybody speaks Hochdeutsch when you mm -hmm. when you ask them to do that. So that wasn't a problem. So that was the first thing that I was a bit shocked about because I kind of assumed that people in Switzerland would, I mean, that everybody would speak English and that I wouldn't have any communication problems. But what as do I said, you think, where does this assumption come from? Because you're not the first one who said that. For mm. example, I didn't have, but I also came 10 years ago as a, as, as a fresh graduate in a bit of a different situation, but I didn't have that assumption. And mm -hmm. uh, I know that many people do even though I was told by the Swiss, including my husband, then boyfriend, you don't have to speak any German, you know, like it's okay in Zurich, it's good in English. I was like, well, but no, no. <laughs> so where does it come from? What do you think? I think it's, you know, my assumption was probably because, you know, in all my travels, English had always been um, the main language of communication. And, you know, my previous visits to Switzerland, um, if I needed to communicate, I would actually do it in English. So I never noticed that there could be a problem there. And as I said, it, it probably came, I mean, this assumption probably came from my experience in other countries. You know, you travel around the world and you speak English, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you can communicate with people. 
And okay, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a um, slightly more difficult communication, but you know, you always succeed. And, you know, as a language teacher by profession, you know, I've got ways of communicating things if people don't understand words. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Oh, oh God, it does. Yeah. You go to a restaurant where nobody speaks English and you want to order chicken and you go, and people know what you want, you know, <laughs> which is something that happened to me once in Greece, for example. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, as I said, I think it's because that has always been my experience that English has always been enough. You know, I wanted to speak German and I wanted to learn German. And I, so as I said, I, I came to Switzerland with, with some German. German yeah but mm -hmm. um so so yeah so that was that was the first kind of big surprise I would say and then there were kind of little things um that I noticed along the way mm -hmm. um kind of you know you get little surprises because again you expect certain things and then they're different you know and it, it may sound a bit funny but things like for example um I obviously had to open a bank account in Switzerland and I go um, and I got my bank card and I was hugely surprised when I tried to pay online with my bank card and I couldn't because the bank card um, did not give me the possibility of paying online, which was for me, it was something that I just could not understand because all my cards in Poland, um, I could always use um, to pay online. In Switzerland, I had to actually get a special um, well, not special. I had to get a credit card to be mm -hmm. able to pay online. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to pay uh, with a debit card. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, little yeah, things true, like yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. I think these were the, the sort of first things that, that I noticed on the positive side. Uh, probably one of the first things that I noticed was how efficiently organized everything was. I'm absolutely in love with the Swiss public transport system you know mm -hmm. um i think yeah as i said the 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 sort of efficiency and the um the, the sort of rational attitude to things i think it kind of appeals to me because i've got fairly strong german roots mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. uh, you know mentally i'm probably quite close to to uh the, the the culture in, in Switzerland or in Germany so that was what I really liked uh, but yeah as I said public transport incredible I mean I love it, it. is incredible I just love yeah. it you know mm -hmm. and, and that's why it's so expensive wanted, right I mean there is a reason why it is actually a bit more yeah, expensive but it's it's good one would yeah, uh, expect yeah. 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 yeah but would you mention sorry if I may pause you yeah. there with the administration I mean administration and bureaucracy I mean all yeah. that is very yeah. very efficient and it's a it's yeah. a it's a yeah. thing that is very unique to switzerland i would say yeah. uh, and i value it very much as well absolutely um, yeah absolutely you can see the differences you know and just getting things done it's not only the friendliness i would mm -hmm. say of the clerks or the staff yeah. there but also the efficiency you know it's just done within a few days yeah. And you don't yeah. have to bring another paper, you know, signed yeah. by another, another, <laughs> and another. another paper. Yeah. And this is something, yeah. you know, that I just, well, yeah, there, I mean, we, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to criticize anything. It's just, you know, this is, this is yeah. not the idea of this podcast, but I would say this is what I've noticed. And this is what I sort of take for granted, I would say, mm -hmm. living here yeah. in Switzerland and going yeah. through that process of yeah. absolutely efficient administration, I would say, on the state and the cantonal level. It's quite hard yet yeah, to get your paperwork then done. <laughs> yeah, let's say back home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, even yeah, though it's yeah, getting absolutely. better, I would say it's improving. Yeah, but, it's getting, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm it's, just it's like, getting so... better in Poland as well. But yeah, I agree. Um, I think one gets just spoiled too... a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and then you take it Absolutely. for granted. It's like, well, yeah, when it when it works, you know, somewhere, why can't it work elsewhere? But it's not only it's not only us. I would say, I mean, oh, my French colleague could talk. Oh, they could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, so Sorry, yeah, yeah, it was okay. all done. No, 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 that's okay. Um, yeah, it was all done very efficiently. And I, I remember because of the delays with my um, work permit, they they just had at one at that point they had a lot of applicants, and they warned me straight away that there's going to be getting my work permit is actually going to get a little bit uh, take a little bit more time than it normally would. And so I was worried a little bit about my health insurance because you need to get it done within the first three months of your um, of your arrival in Switzerland. What I did, because I wasn't quite sure what to do in this situation. So what I did, I decided to write to the uh, ministry. I think it was the Ministry of Health or something like this. I thought, okay, they'll know, you know, that they'll, they'll give me an answer what I should do in this situation. So I sent them an email. Okay. And within two days, I got a, um, I got a reply from the legal department of the ministry explaining exactly what I should do in this situation and I was like wow you know I just got an answer from a ministry yeah that's cool (laughs) so that was cool so that was that was really nice I think also Switzerland is a country where where, um, people attach a lot of meaning and importance to traditions and some of the traditions are really nice so that's something that I like a lot about um, Switzerland as well can you give an example of that I actually spent quite a lot of time um, in the Alps and you know one of the things that I absolutely adore is the the day when the cows go up um, the Alps and then in the autumn when they come down mm-hmm. and the 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 whole day of festivities which is connected with that and the and the cows being literally dressed up you know they have uh, beautiful flower crowns on their heads and they've got those huge bells on their necks and and it's just a, a beautiful and people wearing um, traditional costumes and it's um, and this whole parade throughout the village for example that's beautiful but also some I mean some of the traditions in Basel um mm-hmm. you know so that's something that I I really like as well um and you know I also learned a lot and that was really the idea of for me to join the free walking um, um guides of course before you become a, gu- a guide you need to learn a lot about the places that you're going to show to people and the traditions and the history etc but for me that was the whole idea I really wanted to learn about the city and its history and its traditions um, and I was um, I really wanted to be able to show it to other people and it was okay I wasn't exactly a local but I was kind of a local so it was kind of through the eyes of a local mm-hmm. which I think is the appeal of those free walking tours everywhere in the world um, so that was that was a really um, fun experience as well no that's that that's absolutely amazing I'm just going back to 11 years ago when I came to Baden here in Argao and we moved together with my with my husband then boyfriend and we had a guided walk tour around Baden uh, by a Mexican lady who was absolutely enthusiastic Um, she spoke English because at that time my high German was not good enough then to understand but she's she at that time she was already a Swiss citizen yeah. And she knew so much that some of the Swiss would say, I mean, she knows more <laughs> about the country than we do and more about yeah. the, I would say, the local spirit of that town. It was amazing. So, yeah, she was also she was also not Swiss, you know, the lady yeah. giving us a, well, a guided was, tour. It, yeah, that was a comment that I did get from quite a few people because 
um, some of the people that come on those uh, uh, free walking tours are actually people who, for example, who've lived in Basel for um, a few years, sometimes a quite a long time, but they don't really know Basel that well. Or people who live um, in the vicinity of Basel and they just wanted to, to find out more about Basel. Mm-hmm. And they were, I mean, some of their comments were, uh, you know, we've we've lived in this country for such a long time and we don't know all these things that you're telling us about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was quite interesting. Yeah. Well, now let's talk a bit about your background. So you come from Poland. I mean, you yeah. spent most of your life in Poland. Yes, but you've right. been, uh, I would say, you've been a part of this international community then, or you've been yeah. traveling all over the world I, for work and so on. Yeah. Yeah. How did that notion, because let's face it, this is something very, very specific, I would say, and I don't want to lump our countries together, but there is a certain notion living in Switzerland or any other country in the, let's call it the former West. Mm-hmm. Um, that those countries are like some somehow people don't know much in general right and what they know is usually also a bit skewed so it's not really it's it's there is a slight bias and it doesn't have to be only negative or positive Mm -hmm. but how did that notion when you mentioned okay well I come from Poland and I'm here it might as well be that certain people would be like oh well did you marry a Swiss guy for the money or are you a cleaning lady without putting the notion of being a cleaning lady you know down yeah but this is usually or very often people mean well you know they just sometimes don't know what they're saying so how did that affect your experience if it did I would be curious um it it certainly has uh, not just in Switzerland but in many different places. I think because I have done so much work internationally and because I have worked on pro- on international projects as well. Sometimes um, people do um, ask questions such as, you know, how come you're from Poland and yet you achieved this international success and um, you know and and you you you've had those really high positions within the industry and yet you come from Poland and I'm like well you know you know the the there is this um, idea among some people and I'm not saying everybody and I don't want to generalize it but yes some people do still think um, funny as it may sound that um, in Poland we speak Russian um, so oh, I've that's, had to cor- that's the same thing with us. Yeah. yeah, that's something that I've had to correct quite a few times. People, I mean, obviously now I'm exaggerating a little bit, but people seem to have this idea that, um, you know, in Poland, there are polar bear running in the streets, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, Poland has been part of the EU for 17 years now. Okay. Mm. And Poland that people think about or have this memory um, of from 30 years ago, 40 years ago, mm. is not the country that Poland is now. That's that's number one. And number two, uh, you know, how, how can people think that if you come from, whether it's Poland or Czechia or any other country from this, from this region, does that mean we don't have the brains or does that mean we don't have the education? Uh, you know, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people from Poland who have achieved international success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of, yeah, it's, it's, 
you know, I, I used to get annoyed um, when mm -hmm. people would say things like this. And again, you know, they're saying it out of the goodness of their hearts, you know, mm -hmm. they really want to understand mm -hmm. and they're asking genuine questions. They just don't realize that they're actually, these questions can actually be quite offensive. Mm -hmm. And so I used to get annoyed and now I'm just like, yeah, you know, I, I, I've been to a good university. Um, I have read a lot of books. I've, mm -hmm. I've worked very hard to achieve what I have achieved. You know, I, my, my level of competence is actually quite high and it really doesn't matter what country I come from. You know, you, if you want to learn, you learn and it doesn't matter whether you come from Poland, Mongolia, Czechia or, or Switzerland, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I've also had comments um, and this is something that I kind of came up against very strongly in in Switzerland you know when when I speak English people assume that I must have lived in in England or that I come from England yes uh, that they, you, you, you don't like sound particularly Polish whereas I'm yeah. always thinking what does it mean you know like what you don't sound particularly Czech well yeah and <laughs> if people exactly. sound Czech and they're fluent does that mean that their level of English is not exactly. good enough or like you know yeah, I don't exactly yeah, that's, yeah. yeah exactly but people you know people if people don't know that I'm Polish people kind of usually assume I come from Kent in England you know because that that's my accent yeah so you, you can <laughs> kind of hear that right yeah yeah you can um, hear um, that yeah yeah. <laughs> um, and I sometimes get kind of funny questions when people see my last name, which is an obviously um, Polish name, because people assume I'm from Britain and they see this Polish name and they go, oh, so you're married to a Polish guy. And, you know, I've actually started saying things. I started answering by um, saying, yes, I am. You know, I don't actually <laughs> explaining you know, the whole history uh, I am married to a Polish guy so it's perfectly true you know the fact that they assume that I'm British well that's a different story you know but um, what I'm trying to say is that because Switzerland and that was actually something that I was slightly shocked about I think Switzerland is still a place where this what I call native speakerism is extremely strong Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I was talking to people and telling them that, for example, in the EU, in the, um, EU it's actually illegal to advertise for native speakers um, mm. uh, for teaching jobs because that's considered discrimination. And, you know, it was as early as 2003 that the I think it was 2003 that the European Commission actually said very explicitly that this is not allowed, that the term native speaker is not allowed in job, uh, job ads. And if I talked um, about this to people, they were like really shocked. And, you know, the assumption is that the native speaker is the only good teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and so because I hear I'm you on not... that. Absolutely. I had exactly the same, yeah. same, yeah. same experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so. You know, I was in I was in a in a top academic position um, in the organization that I was working for in Switzerland. I was the, the director of training. So I was actually managing a team of um, about 70 teachers of different languages. And I'm not a native speaker of the language I teach. I mean, that was kind of hard to swallow for some people, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I had some conversation conversations with um, some people in my team. And I would ask them a very simple question. You know, the majority of people in the world who are learning English have not been taught by so-called native speakers, but they have been taught by local teachers. 
does that mean their English is worse? Does that mean that they can't speak English? And of course, the answer is no, they speak English as, you know, as well as they can. And, and um, it really doesn't matter what the, the first language of a teacher is for them to be a good teacher. So yeah, so that was that was um, another thing that was um, a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. But I suppose that would be an issue whether I came from Poland or from France, you know, yes, so yes. it's not actually connected. I think it's not connected with the fact that I come from this part of Europe. But yes, mm-hmm. people people do assume Well, the that- French accent would be a bit more tolerated, I would say. <laughs> Uh, perhaps, right. perhaps not. I don't know. I mean, I've yeah. got very, very good French colleagues. I mean, they're a bunch of fun guys. So yeah. I love their accent, you know. Yeah. They just can't get rid of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I think, you know, when I when I look at my experience of, of working in, um, in Basel, I was extremely lucky that I was actually working in a multinational and multicultural environment, which, I mean, okay, yes, you know, before I came to to work on a permanent basis, I knew that was the case because I had met the team before, obviously, but, and, you know, the the sort of intercultural communication is something that I'm interested in anyway, and, and something that I'd done some work in um, as well. But to actually be able to work with people of umpteen nationalities, I mean, the school that, that I was working for, um, we taught seven foreign languages. Mm. So we had, and then you have um, admin staff or sales staff, different nationalities. So I literally worked with a team of umpteen nationalities with umpteen first languages. And that was a fantastic experience. And, you know, I, I kind of thought that the fact that I come from yet another country and that there is yet another first language there in the mix, that that wouldn't be an issue. But it was an issue for some of the people, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that I came from Poland and I kind of assumed this really high position in the organization. And how could I if I was Polish, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, there is, you know, discrimination is sometimes very subtle. You know, sometimes, yes. sometimes it's very obvious. Sometimes mm. it's very subtle. And I think this subtle discrimination is something that I did experience a little bit in Switzerland. Having said this, you know, if I look at my whole experience of living in Switzerland, it was an extremely positive experience mm. um, in a lot of different ways. And I absolutely loved it. You know, I, I really liked um, living in Switzerland. Living in Switzerland, sort of daily life in Switzerland is actually quite, it's very comfortable. Mm. You know, fantastic quality of food, excellent healthcare, fantastic public transport. You know, all those things that really count in um, everyday life, um, it was all there. So I really enjoyed it and the work that I was doing was a fantastic challenge um, and you know with me give me a challenge I'm and I'm happy you know and I really mm-hmm. loved doing what I was doing it was a very difficult project but um, it was um, a very interesting project for me and professionally um, of course as well yeah. this was yeah yeah, yeah. it was Ed, fantastic your experience yeah. there yeah exactly on top of it all Switzerland is a beautiful country and you know I I um, spent a lot of time either on my own or with my husband going hiking or going on all sorts of trips and you know mm-hmm. um, so yeah so it it was a very very positive experience nice nice yeah. no I just wanted to go back to this let's say whatever we want to call it whether it's a slight bias or probably mm-hmm. a bit of ignorance but not in a not in a negative sense no. right mm-hmm. 
But I would say in general, I mean, I was speaking to um, some of my English speaking, very good friends, British, South African and mm -hmm. so on. And they would always say for them, it's, it's, it's the lack of knowledge. They don't, you know, yeah. like, let's say the English speaking community and people might come from Britain, the US, Australia, whatever, whatever country you can think about. Somehow our part of the world or our part of Europe, let's say, okay, well, Czechia, Poland, Slovakia, mm -hmm. Hungary, even, which is no, mm -hmm. in no way related linguistically, yeah. but it's just geographically yeah. sort of lumped together then. And geopolitically, it was yeah. lumped together once. Mm -hmm. Then for them, it's not, it's, it's not a british colony it's not mm -hmm. any in any way related to them the yeah. language is weird and yeah. that's why they know very very uh, little you know they yeah. they have no knowledge and yeah. often it's not let's say a targeted bias you know like we're not yeah. going to hire you because mm -hmm. you know you've got this weird name it's just we don't know what to what we yeah, should imagine and they would say okay well this is this is our, our our fault you know like we don't know much and we should really get educated and and i always find it absolutely amazing when people you know visit my country and they're like well wow that's great and it's yeah. only 50 <laughs> minutes from zurich and i was like and what did you expect you know yeah, like exactly really yeah. would you really ask a spanish or a portuguese mm -hmm. person you know those mm -hmm. weird questions yeah. that you keep asking me but yeah. in a way you know that's the way it is and we can't really change it so no i, 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 I just find I, I think, it hilarious sometimes you know like yeah. you know, do, have you have you got cars back home and i'm like yeah exactly yeah. what <laughs> yes really, um, there are people at university level you know yeah. i mean it's not yeah. it's not always people who you would not assume that they have limited geographical knowledge but lots mm -hmm. of people who are educated would ask yeah. really weird questions yeah you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, that's that. That is very, very true. And I also agree that very often it's simply because they don't have the knowledge. You know, they they don't. Yeah, they don't have the information. I think one thing that I would probably say is that um, you know when when you don't have the knowledge, um, then maybe it's a better idea not to ask some questions but yes. check first. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but then you know what do I know <laughs> yeah exactly no I, yeah, I, I don't to be fair badly. I just I, you know I don't take it badly yes sometimes it hurts yeah or annoys but yeah. um I understand that these people are, tr are just trying to find out or they're trying to fit me a person who doesn't fit in with the systems that they've built in their lives they're trying to actually find a place for me in that system you know mm -hmm. and that can be painful for them as well so mm this is i've got to say from my experience if we stay with this topic because uh, it resonates with lots of people who are listening to this podcast um it, it, for me this was new in switzerland and before that i had lived in the uk for some time as a student and you know i was mm -hmm. but i stayed in a very very um i would say um in a family that was not typically i don't know who, who is typically british who is not yeah. in a family that had very very high knowledge you know all sort of academic uh, background and and so on and they were very very nice to me um so this gap year i didn't really have that experience i didn't right i didn't encounter it had i had a different experience perhaps i would have been ready for that 
Yeah. You know, and yeah. then when I relocated here also as a student, so the, the direct confrontation was not there because I was in the international yeah. community in the mm -hmm. student community. I was not really planning to stay here. So it, it came sort of like it was creeping in mm -hmm. <laughs> as the years went by. And I would say I also didn't really know how to approach it. So that was yeah. my part of the I mean, I was guilty of some of those misunderstandings because I didn't know how to communicate it. I didn't know how to really look for jobs. I didn't know how to, I, I assumed or assumed that this is the assumption, right? Yeah. That it would work like it did work, you know, yeah. back home in Czechia and in the UK and so on. Mm -hmm. So I did not have that knowledge that yes, you need to look at certain specifications and there is a huge English speaking community And usually, or most of the time, it was the English-speaking community not giving you those opportunities. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was not the Swiss people, in my yeah. case. Yeah. In uh, my case, uh. it was then the Swiss employer who said, look, we don't care about your surname. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just paper. I mean, there was another thing. It was like, you need certain kind of papers. But those yeah. who hired me had absolutely no no problem with that. So it's, it's, it's super interesting. Everybody has a bit of a different experience, but I think this is one common theme and it seems to be, it seems to be sort of omni omnipresent yeah. uh, with people, yeah. let's say coming from our part of Europe, I would yeah. say, yeah. let's yeah. say if we I, want to call it the former Eastern Bloc or yeah. whatever yeah. we want to call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Yeah. having that experience yeah i think yeah I, i i agree i think there is there is this common um experience and it, it does have a lot to do with the fact that um there's just not enough um information or there's not enough knowledge or there's not enough understanding which is kind of understandable again mm -hmm. i mean you know um our countries were called countries behind the iron curtain for no for for, for a reason you yeah. know we were behind an iron curtain so how could people know about us they couldn't mm -hmm. okay and yes you know some time um has passed um since the 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 fall of the um of the berlin wall or the fall of the iron curtain But, you know, historically speaking, it's actually not that much time, you know. But it's still one generation, right? You know, yeah. it's it, but it's, it is true. Yeah. So I don't know anything about life behind Iron Curtain. I mean, I didn't experience it. Yeah. I was very, yeah. very small when that happened. Yeah. But my parents did. So yeah. I know, but I also yeah. don't know what it was all about. You know, I didn't have that firsthand experience. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. Thinking about certain kind of tips that you mm -hmm. would share because you are back in Poland. Um, mm -hmm. When you look back at the experience mm -hmm. and you want to share then some of the tips maybe to some of our listeners, yeah. what was the experience back home like the first couple of months? Because mm. it was the reversed culture shock, as it's yeah. called. Can yeah. you describe it a bit more in a bit more detail? Yeah. Um, okay, I'll try. Um, well, first of all, I think it's very important to say that, you know, when I came to live in Switzerland, I actually found it extremely easy to adapt. And I, I thought, um, I still think, um, that it was probably because I had worked in very different contexts and I am a, um, an open person and I was very excited about the professional challenge and I was excited to find out about the country 
and to be in a town which which I liked so much and or city that I liked so much. So um, it was I had a very positive start and generally a very positive positive experience. But the beginning was actually not that difficult for me in terms of the the, the culture shock. Mm-hmm. I did have there was a time when things became a little bit more difficult, but then they picked up again and you know. Um, so I was leaving Switzerland after two years or just about um, yeah, just over two years, having had this really fantastic experience. OK, the the major drawback was that my husband wasn't there. So I was extremely happy to be going home um, to be with my husband again, you know, to live in my own house again, you know, to, to be able to Not work to have, in my own. Yeah, to rent a flat. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be able to work in my garden again, to to be able to go for a walk in my forest again you know so was, I was really really excited and and the reality hit me like a brick you know <laughs> uh, because yes it was absolutely fantastic to be back with my husband and in my own house but you know you you go back to a reality that you believe you know because you know, I've lived most of my life in Poland, so I know this. Re- this is my reality. You know, this is my country. This is this is mm-hmm. my place on earth, so to speak. You know, but you don't actually think about the fact that because you have spent two years in a different place in a different country, the country that you're coming back to has changed. Because you know, I I did know that I had changed because of the experience in Switzerland you know I, I I felt that I grew emotionally that you know it was it was very positive not just on the professional level but it was also very positive on the on the level of my own personal development so I knew that I had changed um, I just didn't think that everybody else changed as well you know <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that was the main reason why reality kind of hit me like a brick and I think it was also because um, you come back home and there's all these boxes throughout the whole because you basically bring your life back from one country to another country and that life is packed in boxes okay Mm -hmm. and now you have to unpack this life again and fit this life that you've brought from another country into the country that you think you or into a situation that you think you know Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is kind of true yes you know it but it kind of isn't because it has changed yeah because as I said I I was not the only person who changed everybody else changed my friends changed the circumstances changed the the the, um, the situation in Poland changed and I was I was very conscious right from the start that I shouldn't compare but you mm-hmm. cannot help it yeah you know and you compare little things like how much time it it gets you to get to work, um, what kind of transport you have to use to get to work. You compare your shopping experience. Uh, you compare, uh, yeah, public transport. You compare everything. Okay. Mm. Mm. And I think one thing, and it's kind of unavoidable. You have to compare. But at the same time, if you can stop yourself from doing it, then don't compare because there's no point, you know. Yeah. Um, These are just going to, they're always going to be different experiences and just enjoy the fact that it's a different experience. But I think the one thing that I, I hope I did manage to do, I was really tempted to talk to everybody about the differences between the Swiss experience and the Polish experience, you know. 
but I consciously stopped myself from doing it um, because yes, people are interested in your experience, but they don't necessarily want to hear about it all the time, you know? Yes. So, uh, and it is something that you have to find your own peace with yourself. You know, other people can't help you with that. You really need to adjust at your own pace. And if you need to take the time to do it then just take the time to do it and don't feel that there is anything wrong about that I actually had um when I was still in Switzerland I decided to do to work with a coach um so I had um, a few coaching sessions and one of the things that my coach told me um she said look when you're going back to um when you're going back to Poland you'll probably experience some kind of a reverse culture shock and it may take some time for you to adjust back so I was kind of warned Nah, but I didn't expect that it was going to take such a long time. And then, do you remember this article that I that I sent you um, a few months ago? You know, yeah, few, yeah, few, yeah. And I actually, when I when I found this article which talked about the reverse culture shock and which talked about research, which actually tells you that the reverse culture shock may take as much as eighteen months to to kind of for you to get back to normal so to speak, or for you to adjust. And then I remember this feeling of immense relief. And I was like, okay, so there's nothing wrong with me, you know, because I, I started getting worried. I started thinking, you know, I, I'm in a place where I consciously decided to come back to. It was my decision not to stay in Switzerland, mm-hmm. okay? I wanted to go back home. I wanted to be here. Now I'm here and I, you know, I'm, and I have a problem, there's, there's got to be something wrong with me. Yeah. And there isn't. Mm. It's just a normal process that you have to go through. You know, mm. you, you just have to adjust back. Mm. And I think it's, it's very, very useful to remember that the reality that you're going back to is actually not the reality that you left. That you need mm. to treat it in a very similar way to the way you kind of prepare yourself for the culture shock when you're going to live somewhere else. Um, in a different country. I think that's probably for me the biggest lesson. And yeah, just take it easy. Yeah, it's it's difficult to take it easy yes. sometimes. But you know, be relaxed about it and mm. know that this is going to happen. I think yeah. that's probably the biggest because um, the environment piece of changes advice. as you said. I mean, I yeah. like this and this is so true. I mean, yeah. and especially then for people who don't let's say who don't move back and who but then who go home to their home country for for holidays i mean they feel like foreigners you know yeah. myself included yeah. Yeah. even though it's like the the language is I, I know i understand i understand everything but it's changed yeah. so it's a different experience moving back i think i would need more than 18 months then yeah. to adapt um, i think i was lucky in the sense that you know, when I was coming back to Poland, I knew that was in a way kind of um, the last moment to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had stayed longer in Switzerland, I think I would have had a real problem going back to Poland. And I kind of realized this sort of like maybe nine months before I was supposed to leave, or maybe six months before I I, um, I was leaving Switzerland, that I'm just getting too too comfortable in Switzerland you know Mm -hmm. it's it's becoming Switzerland is becoming part of me and I'm becoming part of Switzerland Mm -hmm. which is a a very nice feeling but if you know that you want to go back that is actually a tricky thing because 
it's just going to hurt when you go back. You can't get as attached perhaps exactly. to certain things, yeah, right? Exactly. Mm. I had a situation sort of a couple of months into my stay in Switzerland. Um, I've got a very, very, my best friend lives in Sweden and I, and I go to visit him every chance I have. Yeah. So I basically spend my summer holidays in Sweden and sometimes also maybe a couple of days in this, in the spring, maybe a couple of days in the, in the autumn. And I've always been saying that his home is my home. So I actually have two homes. I have my own home in Poland and I've got this home um, of my best friends. And, um, and, you know, all of a sudden I'm in Switzerland and I actually have three homes, you know, because I felt at home in Switzerland. I felt at home in my own home in Poland. And I feel at home in my friend's home in Sweden. That's just too many homes. There are too many homes. Yeah, there's just too many homes. And I think that's when I kind of realized for the first time that this attachment is actually going to be difficult when I go back. Do you miss Switzerland? I do. Oh, God, I do. Yes. I mean, it's... But at the same um, time, you're, you're happy to be home, right? Yeah, I am. I am. But Switzerland is always going to be an extremely important part of my life because it was such a positive experience to me on so many different levels it's always going to be this this sort of bright part of 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 my past and I think for me um I kind of compare it to um because I'm originally from Poznan but when I started my university after about a year, I decided that I didn't quite like the university in Poznan. Um, and I decided to move to Krakow, which is in the south of, mm-hmm. po- of, of Poland. So I actually did my university um, studies in Krakow. So I lived in Krakow for a couple of years and I loved it. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was again, a, a really fantastic experience. And I moved back to Poznan uh, because of Andrzej, because Andrzej was here. Mm-hmm. And we actually got together during uh, my stay in Krakow. So that was the, mm-hmm. the long distance relationship that I mentioned earlier. And, and you know, when I was leaving Krakow, I was happy to go to Poznan because I knew that meant the start of our life together in one place with Andrzej. But I was really sad to leave Krakow. And it was exactly the same. And, I you know, I keep going back and I love going back to Krakow. Um, and I've got friends there and, and you know, um, and it's the same with Switzerland. It's just another place that I feel very, very attached to um, and the place that I will always miss. You know, some of my most wonderful uh, memories are um, attached or connected with Switzerland. So, yes, I miss Switzerland. Mm-hmm. I miss it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, come for a visit whenever oh, God, the situation permits. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're kind of hoping that maybe it will be possible to travel to Switzerland at the end of June. I'm not sure whether that's going to be feasible, but I definitely because I've been a couple of I've been back to Switzerland a couple of times since I left. And I'm really hoping that I will be able to come again this year. So. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, Let's hope for it's always going to be one of those destinations which I'll always go back to. Nice. Good. Well, um, but Okay, so that's your story. I could talk to you for another hour. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully it's not <laughs> yeah, the last here. time. <laughs> we've been yeah. we've been talking online then and recording it for 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 my podcast. Uh-huh. But um, so apart from your professional experience and you know in languages and linguistics and yeah. and and let's say educational management uh, yeah. on this level, you also um, started your own project on conflict management. So can you just that's briefly right. talk about that? Yeah. Okay. I 
became interested in this whole huge area of conflict management and mediation a long, long time ago. And for all sorts of reasons, I could only start sort of educating myself formally in this area about six or seven years ago when I um, trained as a mediator. And that was um, the sort of opening that I was kind of looking for at that time I think because you know when when you talk about conflict management and mediation it's something that is so important in management it's so important in consultancy work that I do it's so important that in the training work that I do you know the the understanding of communication and how that affects whether conflict arises or not, et cetera, et cetera. So hugely, hugely interesting. So following that, that course in mediation, I actually started reading a lot about conflict and learning a lot about conflict. And then last year, I also graduated from um, a postgraduate, uh, postgraduate program um, in mediation at the University on Wrocław, which is to the south mm -hmm. of, uh, of Poznań. Mm -hmm. And um, I have been doing some training and some consultancy in the area of conflict management. I'm not necessarily interested in becoming um, a court-appointed mediator, for example. That's not something that I would want to, to do, I think. Maybe that'll, go, that'll change at one point, but at the moment, that's not what I'm interested in. I think what I'm most interested in, and that's kind of consistent with the training and consultancy work that I've been doing for so many years now, I'm mostly interested in being able to help people reach a higher level of awareness of their own communication styles mm -hmm. and how they contribute to developing or um, damaging relationships that they are in. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about personal relationships or relationships um, connected with a professional uh, professional uh, work, uh, professional context. Because, you know, I, I have this really strong belief that the, the higher the level of your um, self-awareness in that area, the lower the the damaging power of conflict is. And so this is the kind of work that I do with people. And at one point, um, I decided to share my knowledge and my experience by um, starting a YouTube channel. Um, mm -hmm. And in this YouTube channel, I actually post showed short videos which explain certain key issues or key concepts or the most useful um, things uh, when we talk about conflict prevention, conflict management, um, constructive communication, good listening skills and things like this. And um, I think this is something that because I'm so fascinated by this whole area and I really have a very strong belief that this is something that we should be talking about a lot more in mm. all contexts. I think that's needed. Yeah, very much so. Um, and I also think this is something that should be included in education, you know, that conflict management uh, strategies or learning about conflict uh, management, that should be part of education, I think, as well. So that's why I've decided to to start the, the YouTube channel where I post those little videos. I haven't been able, I've been swamped with work recently, so I haven't been able to post anything in the last two months or three months, I think, but I really want to post something um, again soon. Um, and I've also recently been involved in preparing a project, which I'm very excited about. Um, it's a we're in the process of applying for money from the Erasmus Plus um, EU project, mm -hmm. EU program. And this is a project in which we, together with colleagues from Poland, Slovakia and Croatia, 
we would like to create some training materials for adult education in the area of um, constructive communication and conflict uh, prevention and management. And I'm really hoping that we're going to get um, some money to be to actually be able to develop that. Um, mm -hmm. So another exciting project. Sounds very, have. very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. is. Yeah. So Lovely. keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> yes, 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 I will. Mm, yeah. Many interesting things and many interesting projects on the horizon. I would say an amazing story and lots of helpful tips actually for people who are thinking of moving back or who by circumstances will have to move back uh, after a few years abroad. Definitely worth listening then to your, uh, to your own story. Uh, anything to add that you would like to, you would like to add before we... <laughs> Go on about um, our day. Yeah, I, th I think the only thing that I would, would really like to say to anybody who's considering moving to a different country or anybody who's considering moving back uh, from uh, wherever they're living at the moment, living back home um, or to the homeland, um, don't be afraid, you know, approach it um, as openly as you can. People are always willing, there are always people who are willing to help you in that experience. And there are people who've be, who've done that before. And if you talk to these people, if you listen to podcasts such as this one, Eva, <laughs> then you'll find a lot of very, very helpful tips. You know, people have done it before. You can do it as well. Just don't be afraid. Super. That's well put. Thank you very much, Anya, for, for joining me and us uh, online today from Poland. Uh, thank you for your time. And as said, I hope it's not the last time that you've been sharing uh, some, some hints and tips uh, with me and my audience. I wish you all the best with your project on conflict management and uh, a good week. Thank you very much, Eva. It's been a great pleasure. So I really hope that we can um, talk again. It's been great talking to you and it's been great being able to share my experience. Thank you so much for inviting me and you have a very good week as well. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye, Anya. Ciao. Bye.